Hey dreamers, my guest today is making her dreams come true by wanting to help a billion small business owners by some not too distant time in the future. That's a that's a huge huge uh, want and desire to help small business owners and a lot of small business owners at that. Dreamers, I give you and welcome Adele McClay to the show. Welcome, Adele. Hi, Joe. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you today. You are very welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. You're over in London. Uh, it, you know, at the time of the recording, it's actually uh, it was the day, it's the day after election day to date it a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's definitely different. Is, was everybody happy over there in London uh, with the result? <laughs> Uh, do you want the long answer or the short answer? Um, Let's just say medium no, answer. <laughs> no, no, a little surprised. <laughs> uh, but they were surprised with the Brexit vote that we had back in June. I was a Brexiter. I'm proud to say that. Um, but we, you know, we just the Americans have chosen, and now the world needs to get on and and make it work. Make make sure that the world continues to be safe or. <laughs> Hopefully, become uh, safe, safe and enough. yeah, safe enough. That's a good. Yeah, well, that wall's going to make us awfully safe. Let me tell you. Well, you know what? Maybe Americans in the world just need to be more entrepreneurial in life and say, regardless of what goes on around us and who's in power, we're just going to forget about it and get on and do our own thing. That's that's the way I view elections. <laughs> regardless of who wins, it's not going to impact my life. I'm just going to do my own thing. So maybe Americans need to do that too and not worry about it. <laughs> Well, sometimes we try. Some some people, uh, it, it matters an awful, awful, maybe more than it should, uh, too. But anyway, Adele, uh, <laughs> why don't you give some background about yourself? Thank you. Well, I live in London, but I'm actually from New Zealand, and, and I've been living in, in London for the last uh, 10 years, approximately. Uh, I trained as a chartered accountant in New Zealand and got into banking, um, and that was back in the 80s for the during the last uh, share market crash that if you have a young audience, they might not even uh, know about that one. That was back in 87. I was a banker and, and watched the world change as we knew it back at that time. Uh, the glass ceiling in banking was was pretty tough at that time, and I couldn't really um, get to levels that I wanted. So I got out of banking and got into business consulting. Uh, and cutting a long story short, a couple of years later, set up my own consultancy, which I grew over 10 years to two offices with uh, 20 staff at its peak. And I developed a multi-million dollar business, and we were supporting New Zealand's biggest corporates in the main um, helping them to be more successful, more profitable, more uh, appropriately structured to to achieve what they wanted to achieve in business. So it was a business transformation consultancy. Um, back in 2002, I, uh, in June of that year, I walked into a planning meeting with my team and uh, we were thinking about the, the future of the company that day. And I stood up, looked at them all in turn and said, thank you so much for being a part of the company. We're here to, to plan its future. future. I've made a big decision. In one month's time, I'm going to close the company and I'm going to make you all redundant. So there was a bit of shock, as you might expect. Yeah, you're even you're shocked. <laughs> well, I was sorry. What do you mean by redundant? That like you, you, like you automated all Oh, you were I was okay. Firing them. <laughs> okay, all right. I closed I thought, the company. So. Yeah, sorry, old people's language. Well, um, it's just you know, redundant is not a word that you I would use to describe firing a bunch of people. 
Oh, well, that's the way we call it in New Zealand. Um, you've redone it and you pay them out to, to leave. So, uh, and the reason for that, uh, I, I had a successful business. I had all the trappings of su- successes as I had defined them at that time. I had the money. I had a million dollar house, um, a sports car, jewelry, beautiful clothes, travel, the works. Um, but what had happened four months earlier was I had given birth to a beautiful baby girl and, and you're a recent dad. So you'll remember the day you met your baby for the first time, I'm guessing. Yes, yes, I will. <laughs> and I, um, I fell in love with that little girl. Uh, and what had happened was that, um, prior to our daughter Jama being born, we'd had two unexpected miscarriages. And, and so it was quite a journey to, to become a parent. And whereas once upon a time I um, I valued all those things that the success of my business gave me, what I came to realize was that that success gave me something else. It also gave me choice or freedom in that I didn't have to stay working. I didn't have to find a manager. I didn't even have to sell the company. I could just say, actually, things have changed. Um, I want to change my priorities for a while and walk away from it. And And I did. Um, and so I often say to entrepreneurs and business owners around the world, you get into business for a certain reason. A lot of it's around success, financial success, uh, lifestyle success and freedom and choice. But are you actually achieving that in your business? And if not, how are you going to do that? What needs to change to give you that level of success that you aspire to achieve and, and wanted to achieve in going into business? No, all right. So how? Uh, maybe you had said this, and maybe I missed it. Um, caught up in the whole redundance. Uh, how many employees did you have? At its peak, twenty. Twenty, and you let all twenty go at once. Like it, that was it. You just shuttered yep. the I, business, and that was it. I, yep, I closed the company and walked away one month after making that announcement. And then here's the thing: they all supported me in doing it. I had a great relationship with them. I helped them all uh, except two staff to get jobs. Um, There wasn't 20 at the time. That was at its peak. I can't remember the exact number now. It was a slightly lesser number. Uh, But two two people wanted to take time out and I was paying them redundancies, so giving them money to to leave. Uh, So they could take time out, which they did, and everybody else got jobs within a month and they supported me to close the company and and walk away from it. And And what year was this in? 2002. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> no, that, I mean, that's takes a lot of bravery, especially since just having a kid, uh, in general puts a lot of strain on whether or not you'll have enough money to support said kid and the new, you know, needs of the kid. And, uh, and, and, you know, as I've found, uh, not just in life, but also in, in fatherhood is, is like the, the things that worked in the past aren't necessarily the things that work now and how I expect them to work isn't necessarily how it goes. Well, here's, here's something that you might like to think about. I made that decision and, and the success of my business gave me the money so I didn't have to worry about it. So you know, again, it goes back to that question of why you, why are you in business? Are you achieving what you want, the financial stability and all the other things that you might want? Uh, what I never expected was um, while I was a stay-at-home mum for some of the time, I knew I wasn't a full-time stay-at-home mum. I wanted flexibility. I wanted to do other things. And when you have a lot of staff, you, you have a lot of responsibility and a lot of client responsibility. It was a very busy job. Uh, But what happened was over the following four years, clients that I had worked uh, closely with kept calling me back, asking me to work on projects. And so 
I got to work on projects that interested me and suited my circumstances. I got paid extraordinarily well over four years. And whereas a lot of people ask me, well, why didn't you sell the business? And I could have, except with that type of business, when you sell it, you have to stay working with the new owner for up to two years before you get all your money. And of course, that would have defeated the purpose of what I was trying to achieve, have time out with my baby. But what happened was I, I got to work on projects that suited me over a four-year period, and I earned as much money over that four years working part-time to my schedule as I would have if I had sold the business and um, had to work full-time. So for those people that are thinking, oh my goodness, all that money she lost out on, no. You know, and, and that is um, connected to something called reputation. I, I, I had a great reputation for the work that I could do and had done. I had a long track record. I would now refer to that as personal branding. I, I've just recently written a book on personal branding, so that's how I frame it these days. It's still connected to reputation, but actually it's about building your brand first so people know you and they use you and and then reputation comes after that so brand then reputation in my book is is the, is the order of that it works in so yeah i i ended up getting the best of both worlds actually so well uh, yeah I, I in in a business like that where you are the brand it, you you know to be able to transition at all is a, is a luxury that you may not even be afforded in the first place because it's you. You're the. You're really the company. I mean, you have a staff and that supports you and everything, but you are the company, and uh, you know that it makes it very difficult for somebody else to just buy it and then like, cause unless they're, unless you're selling your name as well, which you know isn't usually a great idea uh, to do because you might want to go do something at some other point and you won't necessarily be able to. So. Um, unless you're making some ridiculous amount of money at that point, I'd say just change your name. Like, I mean, ridiculous, <laughs> ridic like pie in the sky type money. Is, yeah, change your name. It's 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 all good. You and and it was a bit like that because the company was called McClay and Company. I'm Adele McClay, um, and um, that my name is different to my husband's name. I've kept my my maiden name. I was born Adele McClay. I will die Adele McClay, and and so I, I'm with you. I you know I wanted to to keep everything intact, and it just happened to work that way. But I think the point is that the business, as I worked through it, and it's not to say it was easy at all times. It absolutely wasn't. But at the end of the day, it was a sustainably profitable business. I did financially very well out of it. My team did very well of it, out of it. I could afford to pay them all what we call redundancy pay, so exit pay or firing pay. I'm not sure what you call it in America. Um, they all got money, and then they so walked straight severance. into other jobs. Severance. severance that's pay. the word. Yeah, severance. Yeah. We call it redundancy over here <laughs> in New Zealand. <laughs> there we go. Your audience have learned something. <laughs> it's a new word I, I learned something. So. <laughs> so let's fast forward a little bit to when you decided to start writing books and uh, taking your knowledge and, and taking it to the masses. Mm, okay, thank you. So there's there's a bit, another personal journey that happened from that time up until about uh, 2012, and uh, in 2013 I turned a really big number, a big the big five zero in in um, in years. And leading up to that, I knew that I had stalled a little bit. By this time we'd come to the UK, we'd been here for a while, and it's not that I was a slug and doing nothing. I I'm a property investor, and I was consulting. Businesses, but I just felt that I wasn't working at the business, at the level that I could be and, and wanted to be going forward. So went into deep reflection around what am I going to do going forward and uh, decided my passion was small business success. I wanted to help small businesses around the world be sustainably, profitably successful. That's 
that was what I wanted to do going forward. So how was the best way to deliver on that? And uh, I, much to my surprise, uh, someone talked to me at a conference about the idea of writing a book. And I'm not that person that had 10 books or even one book in her. But it was one of those moments in time where it was it was as if it was that person on the stage talking to me in the audience and that I was the only person in the audience and I got it and I thought okay I can do that but I was so embarrassed about it Joe. it took me four days before I told my husband that I was going to write a book because I just thought it was such a stupid idea but I did I wrote a book my first book called uh, Big Profits and uh, that's done very well uh, and it's again supporting small businesses to make more money and uh, um, that's under my brand. So I've created this brand, Small Business Huge Success, which is a book brand. And we we do uh, free online events uh, for people where I, it's very collaborative. I work with other experts around the world and their different areas of success. Um, and again, we're all focused on supporting small businesses to be more successful. So I've got another book coming out next year on um, profitable networking and maybe another one on business strategy, which I'll do in collaboration with somebody else. And there's a whole lot of other things happening under the brand over the coming years as we roll it out. So, okay, so you you got this the bug in you, you know, the bug bit you to write a book. What, but you had no idea, like, what, what was the first step you took when you were like, I'm going to write this book? How do, like, because it's not uh, something clearly you had a background in or anything like that. No, not at all. Um, I looked at different ways of, of writing a book um, because what I came to realize is for me to sit down and write was tiring. Uh, whereas I can talk till I'm blue in the face. I can sit here and talk to you all day and be really energized. Sitting and writing a book I discovered was quite hard. So I had to find an efficient way of doing it. So looked at what at all these teaching programs around writing a book and I found one that worked for me. I didn't follow it religiously, but um, I just created a system within other people's systems that worked. And, and so because my small business huge success brand is going to have loads of books under it, not just written by me. I wanted to come up with a system and a framework for all the books. So I said, okay, every book, maximum 10 chapters, uh, maximum 250 to 70 pages. Uh, when you open a book, it needs to be inviting that the, the writing has to be quite big and lots of white space. So when everybody, anybody flicks through it, they think oh, I can read this uh, and they don't feel daunted. I wanted the book to be something that you didn't have to start at the beginning and read all through to the end. You could pick chapters uh, and and pick, read the chapter that resonated with you, you know, maybe after reading a the first couple. So I just came up with a framework that felt right for me to write under. And then as far as each chapter goes, I just went through and thought, okay, well, what are the chapters and what needs to be under each chapter? And I just chopped and changed it all until it until it worked. And that's the principle that I apply to um, to everything now or all the books that are being written now. And I didn't have the best of editors in the first um in the first book uh, and so I'd like I mean it, it was, it's fine it's okay but I'm pretty critical of myself so um, I would like to look at that again but for the book that's just come come out recently uh, personal uh, branded you had a great editor and I think that's that's really important writing a book is a team thing and having a great team of, of other people around to support yeah I well I, I love that you you thought about the framework in which you wanted to write within and and build within because um, that was the first thing, like with my book, I, uh, you know, I was like, I, I want to write a book for people like me who don't like to read books. Uh, so I want to write a short book. I want pictures. I want, you know, lots of white space and, and just, you know, just the meat, no, 
extra like oh here's an extra story or anything to like reinforce like no no this is just just the mantra of like what each of those chapters is about and some of those chapters only like two three pages um and that's with a picture for the whole page so uh, you know yeah i really like i wanted to reach out to people that that just they're slow readers or they're um they don't like reading for one reason or another um and and just to to take that barrier down like you because a lot of times you know people don't uh have time to necessarily read unless they're big readers so they might like reading but it's not something that they find a lot of time to do so being able to write that that short concise like to the point uh it helps you know helps a lot of people break that barrier down to make it accessible oh i agree and when it comes to uh business so i'm writing on business topics my books are aimed at business owners where often they come to their business with a technical skill. So they might be an electrician or a florist or a website designer or whatever. They're not necessarily savvy in business. And I don't want to put them off and I don't want to use big fat words and jargon that when they start reading, they think, oh, I can't read this. This is not for me. It's too hard and put it down because in order to have successful businesses, these technicians actually must be able to work on the business to, to coin Michael Gerber and, and have an understanding of strategy, branding, marketing, sales, people, finances, operations. They need to understand everything that goes on in their business. And I don't want to alienate them. So I'm trying to write uh, really straightforward, easy to read, easy to implement books. And anybody who works with me collaboratively or writing under the brand Small Business Huge Success will be uh, required to write in the same way that I don't want it to be so highfalutin. I don't know if that's a phrase that you would use in America, but highfalutin sort of you know, way up, way up there that people think, oh, God, it's just too hard. I'm not going. It's too highbrow. Yeah, Acad- I don't want highbrow academic, books. Academic? You know, yeah, academic, you know, just <laughs> easy to read, humble, <laughs> humble books that teach stuff. <laughs> no, I love that and definitely uh, can appreciate that. Uh, Adele, how did your family take it when you were like, I'm going to start writing a, bo- a book, let alone books? Well, I have to say my husband is my biggest supporter. And when I went, I was at a conference this particular weekend and I ended up spending a lot of money on things that I wanted to learn and um, and came home full of excitement. And David, his name is, said, so what's happening? And I just said, I can't talk right now. I just need to take this in. I'm really shocked at what I'm doing because it's come as a surprise. Um, let me take this in and just percolate it for a couple of days and Um, I'll let you know when I'm ready to talk. So that day came on a business day. I went into his office and took him out for lunch and sat in a cafe. And by this stage, I'd mapped it all out and and told him about the brand because by then I'd actually come up with the name Small Business Huge Success and I could see that what we could do. And he just looked at me and went, wow, go for it, babe. And uh, as he says to me, and and in fact, I think in both the books I've, I've, uh, well, in fact, in the very, certainly the first one, I've I've dedicated it to him because he is my greatest love and my greatest supporter. And um, and the second one, I've I've dedicated that one to small business owners around the world who serve their their communities day in day out. Um, but there's a reference to my husband around his on unswerving support and 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 love, and and that's really important. And and my daughter, she was 
uh, 11, I think, when the first book came out, and she doesn't really understand it, but she understands Amazon, and so she um, got me to write a little testimonial from her on my Amazon page around what she thought about my book. It's like, my my mummy wrote this book, and her clients um, tell me that it's a really helpful book, and I'm really proud of my mummy type thing, and uh, she's a bit embarrassed about that now, but it's it's there and it's staying, and um, <laughs> yeah, she. I think my family just think, wow amazing what's going on here because the rest of my family and my friends are not in that world and um it's they're supportive but they're slightly disinterested because they're not really in that world but uh, my immediate family and my stepson are are certainly wow good on you this is really exciting well i now i gotta ask um you know how your family takes you uh in a charity boxing match we were talking about before the show and you pointed out that you have a black eye which i actually because of the webcam didn't really notice but now that you had mentioned it i can see it uh how how they taking that (laughs) joe if you and i'd had this conversation a week ago you would have noticed it it was enormous in fact if you look at my instagram page uh you'll see me showing it off it was huge it was quite hilarious um so i uh have I've had a quite a big personal journey, which we can talk about at another time. Uh, and in light of making the decision, being encouraged by someone to start talking about that and using that as an inspiration to others in their journeys, uh, releasing all that energy that I had around that stuff, uh, what happened was I reconnected with some really personal goals that I'd had a very long time ago. And uh, one of those things, I love fitness. I've always been into fitness. Um, but I as a younger woman um, in the 90s, I would spend a lot of time in the gym just doing um, aerobics type classes that included boxing type moves, so punching bags and sparring against people. But in those days, you couldn't um, box other people, not as a woman anyway, and not as a you know a beginner. Uh, and my stepson and his girlfriend and another friend earlier this year entered into some charity boxing matches. And... Unfortunately, they all lost their matches. They they had better competition on the night and it stimulated something in me. And I thought, you know what? I can do this. And so they all went, oh, whatever. I mean, my daughter said, mummy, you're too old. And my husband just raises his eyebrows and thinks, oh, what next? Uh, and didn't think I would do it. And the program started, uh, it's a 10-week program. So we're recording this in what November. And so we're halfway through. The boxing match is the 9th of December. So by the time this goes to your ear, you've, I've probably done it. I just thought, right, I'm doing it. And I'm absolutely loving it. And I'm a left-handed boxer, which is not that uncommon, uh, not that common. And I have, I've discovered a, a fairly strong left hand, which is uh, the, the money, the money arm, as I'm told. And, um, watch out for my opponent is all I can say because <laughs> I'm training six days a week and it's oh just loving it I just and I'm getting fitter so fit I have so much respect for boxers uh, it is they are so fit it's an exhausting um, sport and we're doing three two minute ra- uh, rounds in, in in the fight and I'm supporting a, a charity here uh, there are some twins young twins that have cerebral palsy and they don't they need extra operations and care which they don't get on our national health system here so i'm raising money to to support them to get what they need to to live a more fulfilled life wow that that is incredible now do you have to sign any paperwork like in case one of you kills the other one 
I mean, I, I assume I did... you're wearing headgear, right? Oh, like... yeah, yeah, headgear, okay. and I love my teeth, and so there's a, a mouth guard and big 16-ounce gloves, and... Um, yeah, you know, I, I will. It's a prop. It's in a proper ring. It's a. I've been to one of these things before, and they, it's well refereed, and and they stop if there's any danger. And I, you know, I'd be a little surprised if my left hander could kill someone. I'd like to wind her, maybe give her a black eye. Uh, but that's that's why I have a black eye because I, I apparently I'm getting quite good at at this as a beginner. And the woman that I often spar against during the the weekend class um, wasn't training as much, and I was a bit too strong for her to the point where I pulled back from her. Her name was Laura, and I said, "Laura, I'm not going to hit you hard because you know I I'll hurt you." But the the coaches were watching, and they they swapped me out with her and put me with Joni, this woman who is a real boxer and is a coach. And uh, so she and I started boxing and they forgot to tell her to go easy on me. And she smashed me. I had a bleeding nose and my um, cheekbone was bruised. That's why I had this really big bruise. And But I have to say, it's my badge of honor. I've been so pleased to have it because what it did for me was realize what the pain is like, but also that I wasn't afraid of it. Um, I, I didn't, you know, it was horrible in the moment um, and it hurt but I wasn't afraid. It just, it, um, it made me go in and think, right, damn you, I'm going to, I'm going to get you. <laughs> so, so if my opponent on the night does that, oh, watch out, sweetie, because I might come after you. <laughs> so <laughs> you'll have to call me back and I'll tell you what happens next Yeah, time. no, I, I will definitely uh, be reaching out to find out how that goes. <laughs> but I think the key thing here is, uh, Joe, is that I live by this mantra of alive, passionate and extraordinary in business and life. And that's not to say we're alive and passionate and extraordinary every single day. But the key is when we look back on our lives, wherever we're at, in life, I'm not saying at the end of life, but say from now, that we can look back and smile and think, wow, I'm really enjoying this ride or I've done some amazing things, things that I really want to do, not just in business, but in life, because you're a long time dead and regret is a really sad thing. And I've met so many people who towards the end of their lives experience incredible regret my father-in-law being one of them he was born in India this is my husband's father he was born in India um, and never went back in his lifetime he left there when he was early 20s and it was only when he got Parkinson's disease and got stuck in a chair eventually that he started saying, oh, I so wish I'd done this. I so wish I'd done that. And, and it was over for him. We, we, we tried to work out how we could get him back, but it was too late. And, you know, there are so many other people in my life that I've, I've had you know, encounters with that, that you can see the regret. And it's, I think it's just a very, very sad emotion. And, and so I don't want that. So I just put myself in all these situations and I've, um, I've forgotten the writer of the book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. His, she wrote the book called that. And I've taken it a step further. And the death of that fear will be certain. And uh, so just put yourself <laughs> in those situations and go through it and come out the other end brave and um, and with an experience under your belt. And, and so that's what I encourage people to do. And I do it myself. Oh, I think that's wonderful. And I think that what, what you're doing as a charity uh, event is is wonderful, too. Not, you know, not many people would want to uh, put themselves out there like that for something, especially that, I mean, you've never boxed before. So, yeah, that's uh, quite brave of you to, to <laughs> want to do. And uh, hopefully you raise a lot of money 
for uh, for those kids that that are in desperate need of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's been the biggest roadblock for you when it comes to business? Uh, roadblock when it comes to business. Uh, I think sometimes we uh, doubt ourselves. So you know, I'm human. I I've well, I have potentially have had one recently in that I've created a vast vision for small business huge success and it's so vast I feel quite intimidated by it around how I can deliver on that to the point where some parts of the vision I I haven't in the products that we'll offer the things that we'll do to support entrepreneurial and small business success I haven't shared that widely and it's quite interesting that you should ask me this today Joe because I just happen to have had a conversation with a very um well-known in New Zealand, at least, a strategist, because uh, I'm going to do some partnering with him on something. And just with the work that he's doing, I, we were we were um, sharing a lot about what I'm doing, what he's doing. And so I told him a bit more about my my um, the work that I want to do with this brand. And I said to him, there was one piece in particular, I said, oh, I don't share this bit with many people because it just seems so enormous. And if I talked about all of this, people will think, oh, my goodness, you know, what planet are you on? And and so, you know, I think some of it might be some of it's my own to envision or to see how it can all map out yet that that perhaps stops me. But having him say to me today, this is amazing and that is a really essential part of what you're doing, given he's a business strategist, was was actually really helpful. So I'm going to be more aware of, of my languaging and my thinking around that. So uh, and just go full bore into it and get the right people around me. Um, probably another thing might be delegation from time to time. I, I, and being a perfectionist once upon a time, I consider myself to be a reforming perfectionist. I just go for excellence. Excellence is good enough. Um, and when I was learning that I would deliberately make mistakes and go, okay, that's fine. You know, just to make myself accept that it's going to be okay. Um, um, yeah, and delegation. I've, I've always been pretty good at delegating, but I'm really good at it now um, because I just have so many things that I want to do, not just in this business, but I have a social enterprise that I'm working on setting up alongside this and some other things, and including my personal pursuits, which um, we've spoken some of already. Well, I, you know, I think that the whole delegating thing comes with uh, accepting excellence or, or greatness or good enough you know where and when you can perfection is saved for the things that we can perfect you know within a within reason and um because i I, you know i run in the same things where it's like you know i know what i can produce versus what someone else is going to produce and i feel like i'm going to have to fix what they produce it's like oh well why why spend the why waste the time letting them do it when i can just do it myself but in reality this we're only one person we can only do one thing well at a time so it's it's a balancing act of trying to figure out like well what can be excellent what can be perfect what can be good and what can be okay because um, you know what's what's okay to us might be perfect to somebody else because uh, you know the eyes and the beholder there and um, just getting that uh, that to that level of being like. I'm going to let things go. And, and you know, I, the scary part, and I know all personal experience, and maybe you're the same way, Adele, is like when you start letting things go, it's like, oh, no, everything's going to be let go. And then, every you know, nothing's going to be perfect. And, it's it, like, my quality as a whole of everything I produce is going to just, you know, c- c- like come to a crawl or, or, or crumble underneath of me. And, 
And uh, as a kid, you know, and I, I mean, it's not as a 30 year old, but as, as you know, uh, 18, 19, 20 year old in, in business, it's like, I like, I strive for that. So, you know, I always question like, oh no, am I, am I getting too soft on myself? Am I letting it too many things go? Are people going to be judging me from that? And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a OCD um, <laughs> uh, nightmare, if you will. Well, actually, what I think the, and what I know actually the correct answer is around this is uh, systemization so, and templating. So the reason I was able to grow my first business that I described earlier, and that's before the internet, and that was before email and websites were just coming out when, when I was closing it, is we, we systemized every part of my business. So we could have a new consultant come on board and they had an induction period and they came to understand how we do it. Same with a new secretary or a researcher or a, a, a temporary person perhaps that came into cover reception if we needed that, although we didn't actually do that that very often. But whomever came on board in our team learnt, we called it the McClay way, um, and that everything was systemized in manuals and they were kept up to date and someone had the job of doing that. Life has moved on and we can outsource so much and we can delegate a lot to, to outsourcing type people. And if we are really clear around the level of excellence um, that we want, that we'll forget um, perfection because that's awful, but the level of excellence we want, we work it back and we say, right, here are the processes that someone doing this work must follow in order to get this thing that they do for us to the standard that we will accept. And it's a system and they follow it, they learn it, they follow it. And then everything is, is much more comfortable. You know that you're going to get a consistent standard. And if you've taught them how to do it and you've written a manual, for instance, or instead of instructions, depending on what it is that you're getting them to do, if they're not delivering to that, then that's a performance issue. Uh, if they're clear and they've got the skills um, to, to get it to that level, if they're not doing it, that's a performance issue. If they haven't got the skills to do that, then they're the wrong person for that job. And you either reallocate them to another part of your business if they are on your team, or you find a different outsourcer if, if it's an outsourced resource. Hmm. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think that um, I mean, I'm a processes guy myself. So right, like writing out those, like, this is how we do things and this is what we do. And, um, the steps that we go through and then you have steps to like, okay, well, if it doesn't fit in a, B or C, we have a D that's like, here's the fail safe. Like this is where, so it doesn't just like, oh, that paper, that eh, just gets shoved in the drawer somewhere. And eventually that drawer gets emptied and oh, well, <laughs> you know, we move on with life. And, uh, so, so at least there's a process for when there is no process type mm -hmm. of thing, um, as a fail safe. Now, growing up, what was your childhood dream, Adele? I had loads of them, actually, uh, at different stages of my life. I um, I had different dreams. I um, You're probably a bit young to remember the original Charlie's Angels program. Do you remember uh, Charlie's no, I was definitely young. I I wasn't born until eighty six, so I mean oh, I've seen so, it. I've seen well, it, but yeah. Yeah, okay. So the original Charlie's Angels, American program, three women police officers. I thought they were amazing, so I wanted to be a Charlie's Angel. That was the first one, um, and then I got beyond that, and I I loved property, and I I thought I would be a property investor, uh, and and creating beautiful homes. And the way in which I manifested that while I was young, we would have family holidays, and and even when not on holidays, I would get a 
um, a deck of cards and I would lay out these um, structures of what houses would look like with all the rooms and all the doors and the windows and using decks of cards. Now, I have manifested that because I am a you know, well-off uh, property investor. I, we own property in New Zealand and London and, and Scotland. So I have done that, but I also realized that that wasn't enough for me. That's just a, a side thing. Um, so I've achieved that. Um when I completed my degree, I, I think I said earlier, I, I qualified as a chartered accountant and got into banking. When I got into banking, I wanted to be a successful uh, banker, investment banker. That was what I really, really wanted to do. And unfortunately for me, the glass ceiling was just too too tough to crack. I could not do it. I was one of the few women in banking at that time, and I wasn't getting where I wanted to get to. And you might realize already that I'm fairly ambitious and and uh, I don't suffer falls <laughs> too gladly and um, I just thought actually I'm I'm on the wrong ladder this is not the one for me so I had to rethink my future and at that point I didn't actually know what it would be um, then I got in, had the opportunity to be in my own business as, as I described earlier and thought I'm going to create a successful business um, and that's when I came upon some really important books Michael Gerber's The E-Myth back then and and another one written by a New Zealand author um, Nick Marsh's uh, The All-Star Company which is based around the idea of, of a circus uh, and they were really influential books on me and that's how I came to create my business <clears throat> excuse me and, and it wasn't plain sailing I had every problem you could possibly imagine that that you have in business, but worked out how to get through them and, and did. And then I got to the end of that journey and thought, enough, I'm done. I, you know, The business had worked with New Zealand's biggest companies. We'd worked on amazing projects. There was nothing more I wanted to achieve in that, that uh, business, which is why when our daughter was born, it became an easy decision to say, I'm gone, I'm, I'm closing this and um, making everybody – or firing everybody, as you would say, making everybody <laughs> redundant and paying them severance. <laughs> that thing. There you go. Boom, look at and, you. And then like I had. <laughs> I'm trying hard. I don't think I can do an American accent. I'm not so good with accents. Um, and and then I mucked around for a bit, did more property investment um, while we you know, sort of had some time out. And then I stalled for a while. So there's a personal story in there where I stalled. And coming out of that, turning towards 50, um, that's when I made a decision again, what do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to be doing for the next 50 years of my life? Because I really, truly believe that I am going to be working when I'm 101. Um, and people say, really? And I say, yeah, I didn't say I was going to be working full time, but uh, I'm going to be dancing and doing all these other things. And so long as I'm interested, interesting and relevant, I want to be working. I get my energy from contributing. So what does that mean for me? And it means small business success. It means inspiring and guiding collaboratively with others, small businesses to be successful. Um, so that's my big vision, and I'm going to live that through small um, the brand, small business huge success. But I'm also a big contributor to society. I like to give back, and I've now worked out how I can set up a social enterprise that um, helps me to use my skills in life coaching, if you like, uh, and personal development, which I didn't see as my main focus in, in business, but I can see how I can use that and use that as a force for good and to give money to um, other organizations that are supporting the work that I want to support. So there'll be more books written in that area. And entrepreneurship. I, I, we're an investor, investors, so my husband and I want to do more investing in other people's businesses, startups, scale-ups in certain industries. So next year we're, we're getting more into that again. And, and so that means I'll be really rounded out professionally around 
small business success and who knows we might we might stumble upon the next unicorn and that would be pretty exciting too and i will just talk about that and share that and inspire others around um around that because i'm sure there are loads of opportunities for other unicorns out there well you know i i think that you you might be downplaying a little bit the importance of being able to um you know coach or work with a with a small business owner that has that that life-changing uh thing happen to them and most people at least that i know would be doubling down on their business efforts at that point not trying to shut their business down to to go and enjoy life um regardless of how successful or unsuccessful they are at the time you know what i mean like to the people that i know would be like oh i gotta i gotta do more i gotta work more hours i gotta make more i can't let this fall uh, I can't let this this stall or fall apart or close it because I need this in order to, you know, give my family a life that they want or deserve. Uh, so I, you know, I think from that aspect of it, I think that you do offer something that a lot of people don't. I mean, in the same vein that I walked away from my family's business, it's it's something that a lot of people don't necessarily do that are in uh, our position where it's like, well, we we had everything laid out. You know, everything was fine. Like everything could have been fine, but we we took we took to go left instead of just keep going in the same direction. Well, that's a really interesting point because I think it comes back to passion. You've got to be passionate about the work that you do. And I had been in that business for ten years. It had grown to where it got to. We'd worked um, with New Zealand's biggest corporates. The biggest piece of work we did as a company that I led was crunching three companies together in New Zealand to create what is now New Zealand's biggest company. We did all the transformation, or not all, but a lot of the transformational work on that. And when you've done that, it's a case of, well, what's next? Do I, everything else is small by comparison. We'd done financially really well. I would have, I could have gone overseas and developed a business, developed the company overseas, which I had looked at, but I'd lost the passion because I, we got to the top and I think I could have sold it as we talked. Um, but there were other imperatives that were more important to me, the, the, the timeout, um, and I just needed to be true to my heart. And because the company had been financially successful, I was able to do that. And so I'm all for people working incredibly hard in their businesses. I, I work incredibly hard, incredibly long hours. And as I'm recording this with you right now, my daughter's sitting out there thinking, when's dinner coming? Because oh. I work really hard. That's fine. Don't worry. She um, She's fine. I said, you just either forget that hungry, you sorted out yourself tonight, sweetheart, because I'm busy. Um, but that's, you know, my family accept that that's who I am. I work really hard um, in my business because I'm so passionate about it. But when you lose the passion and it's a grind, it actually affects a whole lot of your life and it's not worth it. That's where the regret starts creeping in and it's better to go out on a high and the high might be selling it. I didn't set up my business with a view to closing it down. I set up my business with a view to selling it and making stacks of money. Well, I did make the stacks of money. I just didn't have to sell it to do that. So when I work with businesses, uh, depending on when I, well, regardless of where I come in in their cycle, I, I always double back and understand, you know, why are you in business? What are you here to do? Who are you serving? Why are you serving them? What kind of lifestyle is that going to give you? Is that the lifestyle you want? If so, great. If not, well, how are we going to sort it out so that you do get the lifestyle you want? What's your exit strategy? You know, where where are you taking this business? Because we have to start thinking about that as well. So I, I do all that kind of work with with people, uh, businesses that, that I work with and, and a whole lot more. 
Well, so <laughs> you kind of already answered it, but uh, maybe a little bit further down in the future, uh, what do your dreams look like in the future? What are my dreams in the future? Yeah. Uh, I continue to have this image, and sometimes it wakes me in the middle of the night, where I am standing on stages around the world just talking as we're talking right now and inspiring people to be alive, passionate and extraordinary in business and in life as they define it. And there's no judgment around how big or small their vision and their dreams are. It's just saying you can do it. Uh, You have to work it, dream it, believe it, work it, achieve it. And I, I use myself as a, I guess, a little bit of a role model around that because we've got the boxing that we've talked about, as, as I mentioned to you off, off, um, off this recording, that the next thing I'm going to be doing is then training to compete in a bodybuilding competition, a natural bodybuilding competition. So that's going to be late 2017 at this stage. Now to do that, I have to lose at least 50% of my body fat because I'm not a skinny wee thing here. Um, I'm quite muscular and I love food. (laughs) So that's a big achievement, but I'm determined to do it because that was another thing that I remembered before I met my husband. I was actually doing that back then. I was training for that. And then I met him, fell in love, went on the baby journey and life journey. And now I'm 53. And um, I'd forgotten about that. And it's come back to me. I thought, I'm going to do that. And so I've got someone preparing. Well, we've started the journey of, of losing all the fat. Um, and it's not that I'm fat, fat. I'm not. But it's to, to stand on a stage and have a six pack, you need to, as a woman, you need to lose a lot of fat. Well, even uh, as a guy, you gotta, you know, it's, it's a lot to, yeah. to do. 50% is a lot. I mean, if it, you know, if it's two, you know, two, two, it's, you gotta get down to one. That's a lot. It's, yeah, 50%. It, you know, yeah, exactly. 50% is a lot regardless. Yeah. And, and for me, it's traveling the world, um, experiencing people and life and contributing, very strong social conscience. If anybody wants to connect in with me, they can go to LinkedIn and I, I connect in with everybody. I just have to hope they're not a robot and it's going to spam me. That's just horrible. But I connect in with people. And if you go to go through my CV, you'll see there's a lot of social work that I've done in terms of giving back, non-executive director work of charities and other organizations. So contributing my knowledge and my skills in those areas to just inspire people to to be alive, passionate and extraordinary in business and life and uh, say to indulge my love of travel and I'd like to be a grandmother one day and we, we talk to our, I have a stepson who at the stage is uh, what, 29 and our daughter who's about to be 15 in a few months and my husband and I talk about how we're going to follow them around the world and haunt them so that we get to see our grandchildren. Um, so yeah, there's, and just be with people and you know, just so for me, it's really important to know that when I'm 101 at the end of a busy day, rocking in my rocking chair, that I can look back and smile at the life that's gone before. It's never, it's not straightforward. It will not be constantly up. I've had loads of downs, you know, the ups and downs of life, had lots of sadness and heartache and challenge, um, successes and failures. But that if overall I can sit back and, and if that was my last day and I can think, wow, what a ride, what a, you know, I've... I've I've made a difference. I've I've had a great life. I've contributed to the lives of others, and and I've experienced life in all its beauty. Then I'm good with that. Well, it's it's good to know what your what your goals are, and that's how you can define success. And 
um, success is constantly a changing thing. And I like the fact that you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm like just barely over halfway done my life. I, I love it. Um, that's, that's a, that's a brilliant way of thinking. Uh, and, and especially since you're living it to the fullest at the same time, you know, like, oh, well, I'll get to it tomorrow, which I mean, as, as a younger person, it sometimes can be easy to think that, but, um, you know, clearly when, when you get to, you know, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, it's like, okay, well, if not now, when, and if I don't continue to move forward, then I'm going to start to slow down even more. And before you know it, you're not going anywhere. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have any plans of retiring either personally (laughs) well the other thing that's really important to me is values and and I have seven headings as values with descriptors underneath them and the the biggest value for me is well-being and in that comes health and fitness because you can have all the money in the world and if you haven't got your health and your fitness um, you've got very little and to do all these things and to be vital and and alive I I need my health and, and well-being so you know, I, th- I think it's important for people to ha- live within a value set. And just in case you're interested, my other values. Are, so there's well-being, growth, so constant learning, um, books and learning from others and ex- learning through doing and, and, and failing, um, achievements. So often that's the traditional markers of, of success, experiences, so experiencing life and all its diversity and beauty relationships with my, those closest to me and and others that I contribute to um, spirituality and and that's something that means different things to different people whether you're religious or, or, or not there's a you know, it's that connection to yourself which is really important to me and the final one is um, legacy you know what what marker do I want to leave on the world and I'm not suggesting everybody needs to be a Bill Gates <laughs> at all but you know my father he uh, my mother died unexpectedly just over two years ago and my father's legacy now is just connecting into those uh, people that um, he loves and cherishes and and leaving a happy mark with them it's just being in their lives and being the person that he is and he really started to realize that after mum passed away my mother's legacy was teaching people how to love I mean mum was a a woman who lived in a small community in New Zealand, um, but five or six hundred people came to her funeral because she touched so many lives just around her kindness and her generosity and and her ability to teach what love means. And so they left you know, micro legacies in terms of their community. Um, other people might have bigger views on what legacy means to them. And I, I have these conversations with people to get people thinking about this at whatever age you're at. Uh, I think it's a really important thing to do. No, I, I agree. It dep- yeah, it's important to, to understand, again, defining that, what, what what the success or what the goal is for you and what you want to do. And it doesn't have to be the same as everybody else and be, you know, I want to travel the world or this or that. It's not, not for everybody. Um, so it's important to define that for yourself and your business at, at the same time. Um, before we share, people can connect with you online. Is there any last thoughts you'd like to share? Um, I think that life is beautiful. I think it's very easy to find the ugly side of life and America's having a really difficult time given that we're recording this the day after the election and and there's a lot of America that is broken and challenged and I think it's up to all of us to find the beauty in in life to find to be 
to decide to be joyful, to decide to be happy. And we, we make those decisions on a knife edge. So you know, half of America woke up really happy today, half woke up desperately unhappy, but we've got to move on from that and find joy uh, and, and create our own joy and not, um, and, and I'm, I'm not going to hark on about America, but I encourage my clients because they come to me for business and we always get on to life. And, and I, I say to them every day, we have a choice. We have a choice as to, you know, what side of that coin we're going to fall on. And I try to find to go down the joy um, side just because it's better for everybody. It's better for me. It's better for my well-being and my longevity, hopefully, to, to find joy. And I just encourage people to find joy and, and, and gratitude, actually. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's another big thing for me to, to every day to spend a little bit of time. Uh, focusing on what you're grateful for, the big things and the small things, the the rain. It's been raining here all day today. So hopefully my husband was feeling grateful that I took him to the train station this morning to save him getting wet, uh, for instance. And you know, for me that I had the flexibility to say, okay, I'll drop everything and take you down there. Um, you know, finding joy and, and, and being grateful for the big and the small things in your life, uh, I think uh, is really, really important. I couldn't agree more. I think that's very well well stated. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think actually a lot of people that even voted for uh, for Trump in the first place, I think they're still nervous and scared, too, because they don't know what yeah. to expect. It's they're all they're rolling the dice on on the unknown. So, uh, yeah. And I, I think a lot of people don't even want to talk about it. There's actually a term for this. I heard it called leaners people that would lean over the counters to tell people like, yeah, I'm, I'm voting for Trump, but they, they wouldn't put out a sign. They don't, you know, flaunt it. Cause they know that what the, you know, he, they know that he, he's very, uh, off color and, and says things that's like, that's not really the right thing to be saying. But again, it's, it's that, that like, well, you know, he's not, he's not one of them. Hmm. Yes, which is, and, you know, which is scary because it's like there's there was somebody who was actually qualified uh, for all her faults and, and yeah. things that she's had going on that she she's been there. Yes, um, but it demonstrates how um, how big the the challenges for America. There's there's I wouldn't even say there's two sides to America. There's it's complex and there there is the downtrodden and the people and, and the corruption and I mean we all know that it's happening and you know maybe it's going to help America look at itself and say we're better than this and I I hope that notwithstanding what has gone before around the rhetoric of of Donald Trump that he recognizes he is in one of the most powerful positions in the world soon <laughs> he elected to become and i don't know when does he take over january isn't it 20th, and that he, yeah yeah um so he, that he becomes more statesmanlike and growing up and responsible and loses the rhetoric and the ugliness of the language and the threats and and because if i looked at the as i was watching it this morning and watching the look on his face i think he was a little bit shocked too from, well, from <laughs> what they were saying on the news I, I i think that they weren't really expecting to win i think that mm -hmm. the, the they were saying the hillary camp was was pretty confident they were going to get the win and and the trump camp was not so confident that they were going to be able to pull it off and then it it happened i mean i didn't stay up till the very end i stayed up till about one o'clock in the morning and it wasn't called till 3 a.m but uh but that was because ava had a had a fever so we were dealing well, we, with that well we were waking up here in england um 
at, at, at the end of it. So I, I get up at 4.15 a.m. every morning because I'm at the gym at 5. And so I was waking up to it thinking, oh, we didn't see that one. That wasn't supposed to happen. And then the the, um, the TVs were on in the gym. And then I had it on in my office this morning just watching the headlines on the news, the news channels. And he looked a bit stunned. And I'm thinking, okay, now it's for real, mate. You've got to grow up. And, and I... I it's, it's scary trust telling in the a seventy-year-old man that he needs to grow <laughs> up. I mean, I live with hope. <laughs> I live with hope, and I hope that's what's going to happen for America. And I, I hope America heals. It's a fabulous place. I love America. I spend a bit of time in America. I've got family in America, living in America and California, and uh, yeah, I just it's it's better than what it is right now. And you need to come together and and um, and uh, find some healing in what's been going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, ho- hopefully, uh, he realizes because I, you know, I don't think he lo- he doesn't obviously want to fail or or anything like that. So, uh, you know, and and the and the good thing is is I he is pretty strong minded. So, um, I don't think that he's going to curb to the to the appeal of like you know, like a George W. Bush where it's like, oh well, everyone's telling me this is what's happening. I'm all right. I'm just gonna go along with it. You know, uh, I don't I don't know that he's he's got that in him to do that so hopefully it's not the case because you know we see what's happened when that happened when, when that's yes. the case and that's not pretty you, you need mm. to be you need to be strong enough to say what's up but hey apparently russia loves it so you know if it's good <laughs> enough for russia it's good enough for somebody oh but, that's uh, scary russia's close to us so it goes to england so um yeah, yeah, so we won't go there <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> well uh, no, i would love for you to share how people can connect with you Oh, thank you, Joe. Uh, I'm on all the social media. So Facebook, uh, you can find me at uh, Adele McClay Fan, which is my um, professional page, my fan page. I'm on Instagram, uh, Adele McClay. I'm on Twitter, at Adele McClay. Uh, YouTube, I'm getting better at putting YouTube videos out, um, aiming for excellence, not perfection. I'm still learning that craft. Uh, what else? I think they're the main ones. And oh, and people, I have um, Facebook and Instagram for small business huge success. If if your community wants to hook into that, we put different material onto to those sites as we do to me the the person. And um, LinkedIn, I'm I'm a, a big person. I do a lot on LinkedIn, so that's another place that I will happily connect with people if they'd like to. But say that I've that you've met me. I generally don't um, acknowledge people if they don't at least say to me. Hi, I heard you on Joe's show. Just say that. Hi, you know, I'd like to connect with you, or you can follow me. In which case, you'll you'll still get my stuff. So the, I think they're the main ones. I'm awesome. on all the social media. <laughs> awesome. Well, I will share that all those on superjoeparter.com. Um, Adele, thank you so much for for taking the time and such a long time because it was, I think it was only supposed to be an hour, and we ended up talking for an hour and a half total. Though this oh. interview is only like 57 minutes. So. Uh, you know, I'd love to have you on again in the future to talk about, uh, you know, getting closer to your 1 billion small businesses being helped and, uh, your future books and under your, your publisher or the published, you know, the published, uh, brand that you've, you've created for yourself and all of that. I wish you the best of luck with it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you do in the future. Thank you. And of course, I'll have to tell you how I got on with my uh, charity boxing fight. That too. Well, I'll I'll be reaching out. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Joe. It's been lovely, lovely, lovely talking to you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook 
at facebook.com slash dreamers podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.